Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm always excited to bring you guys just a new episode and another guest, but this is a really, really special occasion today. I've got Dario Shakay in. He is the chef and owner of Dario's Brasserie and Avali um, here in Omaha, and he is one of the most longstanding and revered just figures in the Omaha food scene. I'm so excited to have you on. Dario, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Happy to be here and uh, share with you uh, what we do right now these days. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I really want to talk a lot about you know the current state and what you've going, got going on at your restaurants, but I think it's really important to kind of look back at the past first. And I know we could probably fill up this whole time talking about your career and your history and everything. Easily. But I don't want to make you go into every little detail yeah. and make you just talk and talk and talk. So okay. to kind of get Why it... Why not? Un- just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, it's a better yeah, idea. Let's do it, yeah. Uh, to get an understanding of just you as a chef and your restaurants, can you give me a three or four minute, you know, like Cliff's Notes version of how you got from escaping your homeland of Bosnia during the war to Omaha, Nebraska? Uh, owning restaurant in Omaha, Dundee, was always a dream of mine since I was seven years old. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, I, back home in Sarajevo, I left. Uh, I was 21 years old. I was uh, studying uh, college for physical education. That was my passion at the time. Uh, I grew up in a sort of restaurant family, and that wasn't really... Uh, route or path I was willing to take because where I grew up, restaurant business and, and, and food production on that level wasn't really something what attracted me. So when war started, I moved back uh, to Germany where I have family and uh, kind of start working in a, in a hospitality industry just just to survive, just to have a work. And But again, wasn't really uh, something I would like to pursue. Uh, as a career or, or passion, and uh, didn't happen until uh, I met my wife, Amy, who is uh, from Nebraska, and we met in Munich, in, mm-hmm. in Germany, at Hofbräuhaus. I was working in that huge beer house, and uh, we moved to New York, and that's what really triggered uh, this this passion for food and, uh, and hospitality and gastronomy which which really sparked interest in me. That's something I, w- I could do, and I, I, I had a passion for. Not till I met some chefs, actually, in New York who were performing uh, at, le- at that level at the time that made me like, okay, that's what I want to do. Like, and, okay, real quick, who were they, and what was it about them that w- one, sparked uh, that interest? Uh, one, one, sh- one particular chef was uh, John DeLucy. He is a successful okay. restaurateur and chef in New York. And... Uh, he was married to my wife's uh, friend, and we would hang out with them, and I was exposed with them at that time in New York restaurant scene, which was whole new world to me, mm-hmm. and uh, was well-respected, well-organized, kind of clean, and 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 uh, very structured industry. That's something different than what I knew, and uh, that's really... Well, at that time, I did own business in New York City. My wife and I started business downtown Manhattan almost right away after we moved in. Mm-hmm. And uh, that kind of inspired me to go to culinary school. I went to French Culinary Institute, and that gave me a kind of base to and path to, to pursue what I was really passionate about. That was uh, French cuisine. And then uh, in the middle of it came that huge Belgium twist. And rest is history. So, I mean, when... Okay, well, wait. The rest is history. We talked... You know, you mentioned you had always dreamed about opening a restaurant in Omaha. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, right. So how how did you get from Uh, the French Culinary Institute to Omaha? So we did uh, uh, have a business in New York, and we transferred that to kind of French bistro slash crepery. I have a huge passion for uh, French crepes. Mm -hmm. I grew up uh, making our version of crepes. And Palachinkin, that's kind of Austrian version. And uh, we were planning to go back to France, south of France, maybe Provence, to spend some time so I could advance my culinary training and uh, horizons. But uh, in the middle of all that, September 11 happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, that all went down the drain. And uh, our first daughter was born in New York. And uh, my wife was pregnant with our second daughter already really quick. 
<laughs> and uh, that kind of really pushed us out of the city, and we kind of just decided to move to Omaha mm-hmm. out of blue because we were familiar with Omaha. My wife grew up in Kearney, but she had a family and connections in Omaha, mm-hmm. and we visit Omaha at least once or twice a year during that period. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned you were you kind of developed your love for food because you were so taken with that New York food scene, which is so unique and especially was at that time. So what was it like going from that to Omaha? And oh, how do you like find oh, a way to use that love? It's like going from a horse to donkey. <laughs> Just kidding. Just, hey, donkey gets you places. It's Nothing true, wrong with true. that. I'll take it. Uh, no, I, I had a clear vision what we wanted to do. And I had a clear kind of training in my head with uh, what what I thought would be restaurant we always wanted to open and, and kind of Dario's Brasserie kind of culminated with that because I love uh, French cooking and French techniques but I also love Belgian beers obviously mm-hmm. and then I discovered that amazing gastronomy in Belgium which literally incorporates French techniques but focusing more on beer than wine. So we went uh, visit Belgium uh, a few times. I have also family and cousins in Belgium. So we explored that, and I'm like, oh, this is it. That's what I want to do. Even at that time in New York, there were not many chefs or restaurants really focusing on that type of gastronomy using this uh, advanced and high-quality brews, which right now, obviously, it's a huge trend. Mm -hmm. But for me, that started in uh, mid-'90s. Yeah. So, I mean, just looking back at your life experiences, I mean, you know, you you grew up in Europe. You Mm -hmm. obviously have this passion for German beer and food. Mm -hmm. You have classical French Mm -hmm. training. Mm -hmm. This is a very unique skill set that you have. I mean, is Dario's Brasserie, like, not only is it such a unique concept in Omaha, but I would say it's pretty unique anywhere, right? I agree. I mean, you know, people always say, you know, if you take Dario's Brasserie and and set it in any environment – in a country or around the world would be kind of the same, its own unit. And uh-huh. uh, I agree 100% because who can resist good food and great beer? So. <laughs> now you said this was the plan all along when you came to Omaha. So yes. How, yes. Did, how did that plan kind of come to fruition? Uh, so when uh, we moved to Omaha, was I moved to it in 2002. Mm-hmm. My first job was at French Cafe very briefly. Uh then uh, we had a two young kids. We bought a house, so we had bills to pay. So I, I got a job at a market ba- a house, in, a market house, uh, market basket mm-hmm. in Countryside Village, and uh, that really gave me opportunity to kind of ex- sit back and explore Omaha restaurant scene because I didn't want to go right into trendy or what was popular at that time in Omaha because it would steer me to do the same thing. So mm-hmm. I. I knew I want to do my own thing or nothing because people tend to follow trends. You didn't want to be another steakhouse. (laughs) I didn't want to be other, you know, a hot hot choke dip, seared ahi tuna, sesame crusted tuna, crab cakes, and uh, prime rib on Sunday. (laughs) I knew 100% or soup and salad with your entrees. So I had a clear vision and... uh, but also we needed to make a living because mm-hmm. we had a new family, new city, new, you know, all set expenses. So we needed, I needed a job and health insurance, and I did that for four years. And then opportunity opened up uh, uh, in Dundee where uh, used to be Godfather's Pizza. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was something else, some different pizza place there. And we uh, jumped on it and with almost no money, opened Dario's Brasserie and uh, just kind of keep, at it, keep sticking to it. And I, I knew what I like. I knew what I could do, which wasn't really fitting in Omaha restaurant scene at the time. Mm-hmm. We did not sell domestic beer. You're talking 2006. We did not sell any European <laughs> beers, but Belgian beers. Uh-huh. Uh, we had a $10 plus cheeseburger on the menu, which uh-huh. wasn't really a case. Now, obviously, you know, burgers are a huge thing. But when Dario's opened, there was no $10 plus uh, cheeseburger or hamburger on the menus but or crepes mm-hmm. or steamed mussels mm-hmm. or $7 order pommes frites fries so or hanger steak mm-hmm. because we did not serve any other uh, beef cuts but hanger steak, which yeah. I knew exactly why I wanted to do. 
And uh, I just never changed. So, so you, oh, sorry, go yeah. ahead. So yeah, there were a lot of challenges, a lot of confrontation with the customers uh-huh. and clientele. When I gonna bring this? When I gonna bring that? I'm like, not gonna happen. Well, yeah, I was gonna say, you're, you know, you're talking a lot about, you know, this was the first time Omaha experienced this. There's, this was the first yeah. time Omaha experienced this. Was there ever any apprehension on your part that? What if people, like, I know I'm putting a good product out there, but what if people just aren't accepting of it? Oh, yeah, every day. But uh, I also, there, I think that motivation to do what I believed in was uh, stronger than that. And uh, it just, I, we were not going to change. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I was so confident uh, in our, you know, $13 burger and $12 beer, <laughs> the people, you know, one of our first customers, because uh, we had an open kitchen, I was in the kitchen every night, and uh, there's a guy who walks up to the window. He's like, I am pissed. I'm like, okay, sure. What is the problem? He said, I just had a burger and beer, and it was $26. I'm like, well, you know, prices are on the menu. I don't know what to tell you. Right. You know, it's, I'm not going to. Do anything different just because you, you didn't are surprise pissed. him. Yeah. yeah, I didn't surprise anybody. <laughs> Two days later, same guy walks up to my window. He says, "Damn you!" He said, "I could not stop thinking about that cheeseburger fries <laughs> and that beer." I'm like, "Well, order it again." That's what so, you got to do, though, right? To what, break down yeah. those barriers, you have to show people that yeah, there might be a little bit higher price tag, but you're getting such a better quality product well, or something al- they can't get somewhere well, else. Well, also in our case, I I knew we. Uh, Omaha or, or our neighborhood need a great burger and fries, but I didn't want to become like burger joint. Right. I still wanted to be a restaurant. So our deal was bring the, our sandwiches and our burger closer to our entrees price-wise. You pay a little more, but you're going to get brasserie experience, mm-hmm. which also worth a couple of dollars. Mm-hmm. You're going to get, you know, French baguette with butter and, uh, you know, water service and that proper beer service because if... if if that burger was cheaper, I, I could forget about cooking anything else. We would just do burger and fries mm-hmm. all night long. So people finally realized if it's six people going out for dinner, and there's always somebody who wants a burger, but uh, you know other people can get mussels and steak or salmon or crab, so you have options, but you have to pay a couple dollars extra for all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the experience is baked into it. And the opportunity to get like... You know, those yeah. those Belgian beers, like you mentioned. Oh, yeah. You're not it, getting that anywhere else in Omaha, probably. No, each beer gets its own glass. That's like full-time job, just sourcing glasses for a beer. So we wow. will not serve beer if, if there's no right glass to match. Because Belgians are very strict about that. So <laughs> Fair enough. I feel like I, I want to take a quick step back. And just for anyone who hasn't been to Dario's, which they're making a mistake and they need to get out now because well, it's that's okay. Delicious. We always, we need new customers. Yes. We can we welcome new customers. people. Yeah. And that's yeah. what this is for. I was going to yeah. say, I want to yeah. open the mic yeah. to you and just describe in your words, what, what, what is Dario's and, and what, why should people visit? Uh, it was always about Dario's side because there was a lot of people who didn't understand the concept. I, we still have a just little, you know, sidetrack. I still have a, people who are little more established diners mm-hmm. age-wise who don't grasp entire concept a uh, few, <laughs> we- few weeks ago we had a couple who snuck in miller light in a can to they drink snuck a in beer yeah. to a and restaurant they, they, they were in their 70s oh geez. they really wanted our food but they still don't grasp concept about our beers and i'm like <laughs> you know i get it whatever at this point i'm not gonna you know argue with anybody yeah. but if i i think our biggest, my biggest uh, thing about Darius was come in, come sit down and 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 relax and come to our level, and everything's gonna be fine. Because mm-hmm. most people, when they see something different which they're not familiar with, on a beer menu, on a food menu, you get a little tense, you get a little uncomfortable. You know, our weight stuff where you know white long white aprons, but there's no white tablecloths. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, we didn't have any artwork on the walls on purpose. I mean, it was really bare space, like almost like cafeteria, because I didn't want to dictate what people are going to feel when they sit down. Oh, fascinating. I, I want them to create their own environment at the table. 
So I didn't want them to look at the French posters or fancy French salt or wine glasses or all that fancy. I want them to sit down in this kind of bare, comfortable space and create their own experience mm-hmm. and really worked for most of the people. Mm-hmm. So our wait staff or anybody is trained pretty good to explain to you what, what is on a menu that you shouldn't be killing yourself trying, oh, should I order this? Is this any good? Or why is this on a menu? We, I wouldn't do or serve anything which I don't think should be there. So, you know, we are not really stupid. We open <laughs> concept which nobody knows about it. And just to be different, yeah. we, are just, we are just very passionate about what, what, what we think we have created. So I think whoever comes to Darius is you really can make it wherever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. You can uh, get a French onion soup and, uh, and a share burger and fries if you want and get a lager, French uh, Belgian Pilsner lager, which is the only lager beer, beer we have, which is kind of entry level, or you can have full, I don't know, special occasion dinner. Mm-hmm. So what's unique about Darius, any given night or weekend nights when I walk in a dining room, I see families dining, I see uh, people celebrating anniversaries, I see business people uh, having a business dinner and meeting, I see neighborhood people just popping in for a burger and fries, and everybody fits in that room like it was built for that. Mm-hmm. And that's like probably most amazing thing about Darius, because it's not fine dining, but you can get fine dining special occasion dinner if that's what you what you choose yeah and i i love that you say that so much because the last time i went into dario's is probably two weeks ago or so and i actually made note of that i looked at the diners around us and there was a table full of businessmen Mm -hmm. in suits there was a family Mm -hmm. there was a couple that looked like they were on a first date some young young guy trying to impress Mm -hmm. a lady there was like a group of Older ladies who looked yep. like they're celebrating some kind of birthday, and yep. everyone fit together. Everybody fit. It, n- none of it felt weird. It was like everyone, just the way that you said, everyone was creating their own personal that, that dining experiences goal. and had great food. That's it what brings awesome. everybody. You know, uh, that that brings me back. Obviously, we 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 needed to get customers in and uh, for them to enjoy what we offer, but it was really hard to decide. Because we are still located in a neighborhood. This is not special destination. It's not downtown. It's not in a fancy strip mall. It's literally in a neighborhood. Uh-huh. And we really needed neighborhood people to feel comfortable just popping in, but also to be destination for a special occasion or business people or any kind, literally any, any occasion you want to. You can sit at a bar and mm-hmm. just hang out and try our beers, or, uh, or again, you can just have a really nice uh, special occasion dinner and that's i think that's what dario says because we don't dictate which experience you're going to have till you sit down and decide okay we're going to have four courses or we're going to just grab a burger it's a create your own adventure yes perfect yes so you mentioned there was a little bit of resistance a little bit of butting of heads more than a little bit and more than a little bit of resistance at the beginning when did people kind of start when did that wall start to come down for people where they're like okay this isn't my preconceived notion of a restaurant, but this is something fantastic, and I want to eat here. I want to tell my friends about it. This is a good place. I I, I believe that, uh, obviously, I think I'm not stupid to put my name on something which I don't think is good. Right, right. So I think my, my biggest, our biggest uh, focus was people to get to know me. Mm-hmm. And uh, once you make that human connection with people who are bes- behind the scenes, makes everything okay. Uh-huh. Uh, so I was out in the dining room every night meeting people, and obviously we live in a neighborhood too. And finally, people just chilled. Uh huh. This is fine. Uh-huh. You know, it's not like oh my god, you know where, where we are walking into. Finally, people are like, okay, there's Dario in the kitchen. His car is parked outside. It's it's fine. Uh-huh. You know, they feel like home. And uh, training uh, people who worked for us was very, very intense in that way that people have to feel comfortable, mm-hmm. no matter what it is. Because once you call something 
brasserie, which was very, very bold of us. Uh-huh. To, we did get uh, phone calls when we opened uh, for uh, lingerie. <laughs> Uh, we did get a phone calls for uh, brass pipes and fittings. <laughs> so uh, we had idea open maybe gift shop on the way out. You can have a dinner and uh-huh. get a laundry on the way out. Yeah, I you don't got know. a second business idea yeah, right there. But uh, we, we were, as I said, very focused. And I, I stand behind that. And uh, we, you know, we, we just were so confident that people going to enjoy what we offer, which they did. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was out there and, and getting that personal connection so people don't feel stuffy, they don't feel intimidated. It's it's really not that big deal. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, food if we, you know, call something unglad, you know, versus prime rib. It's still from local beef. Mm-hmm. You're going to still get a good same food, just a little different. Do you think that's something that's missing from a lot of modern dining experiences today? Kind of that personal connection between Absol- chef and customer? Absolutely. Absolutely. That that probably served us the most. Again, I did put my name on it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to... In most cases, everybody thought, oh, Dario or whatever they thought Dario was, was something somewhere in some office. But uh, when they were unhappy... They can just, talk to Dario. They say, oh, yeah, there was Dario. <laughs> They're like, oh, there's Dario? Yeah, yeah, he cooked your food tonight. You know, go say hi. And people just like, oh, my God. Uh-huh. I can, you know, believe that. And then, especially if I had time to go out and greet them, just people like, oh, okay, I, I, li- I like this place. I, I, you know, it's work for us, but also something we support our livelihood and family with, and people connect with that. And we just do it, want to do it our way, not like something what people expect us to do. Mm-hmm. I have people coming and telling me, oh, when are you going to get over this crepe thing? I'm, like, I'm not going to get over anything. <laughs> Never. <though>. Never. <laughs> yeah. Crepes are around way before you came here. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. What are we going to do about you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When are you yeah, going to get we, over your you crepe gonna, thing, dude? Yeah. <laughs> um, so we've, we've talked a, a good deal about the cheeseburger, but I want to mm-hmm. dive into that a little bit deeper. Sure. Um, and I have a reason for asking this sure. question. but. I want to start off just kind of from a broad view is I would say probably arguably your most well-known item is that Dario's cheeseburger. How do you feel about that? I love it. Okay. I mean, good cheeseburger is great food. Okay. You know, no matter who you are, where you live, what you eat. uh, But don't forget one thing. Good cheeseburger is great. But once you bite in your burger and say, oh, you know what? This is good burger. But you... Once you try our fries, then you so say, good. "Then you say, oh, this is great burger. Uh-huh. Because there's great burgers and not so good fries. Uh-huh. And then you're like, okay, this is good dish. But after you try burger and you try our pommes frites, then elevates everything to next level. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's good food. That's probably food my family craves the most. You know, they don't crave, uh, you know, ducks and short ribs and, uh-huh. you know, they crave Darius cheeseburger yeah and uh, that's why that's why we want to serve great cheeseburger because nothing wrong having a great cheeseburger I'm not really somebody who's gonna be oh my gosh you know how you're gonna put burger on your menu no it's great food uh-huh. and I have a guy at Darius who Jake who works there for eight years and that's all he does it's our burger mm-hmm. and loves it every single one of them that's awesome you know? so so the reason that I ask that is because one of my favorite books that I've read probably four or five times now, it's called Back of the House. And it's about this restaurant in Boston called okay. Craigie on Main. And Tony Maws is the chef there. And he's like this really innovative chef. He changes his like, he does tasting menus, changes mm-hmm. the menu like every day. But the most popular menu item there is the burger. Yeah. And it drives him crazy because he's like, I have this menu full of like mm-hmm. these amazing things and like these gastronomic like wonders Mm -hmm. and people come in here and order this damn burger and i should i I, I want to be very clear the daria's cheeseburger is fantastic but like i was just curious because on your menu you've got short ribs you got got sous vide duck yeah Yeah, you've got stroganoff you've got all this other stuff and so i was just wondering like does part of you be like okay that's great that you guys like the burger but there's all this other stuff too that you need to try uh i i agree and uh i think maybe in beginning, that was a little more issue because people order what they're familiar with on mm-hmm. the menu. Mm-hmm. And again, it comes to that price point. Right. You know, if I'm first time in something which I'm not really familiar, like Dario's Brasserie, 
Am I going to buy something which, what is $30 just to gamble to try first time? Or, uh, you know what, I'm going to just try burger and chances are it's going to be okay. Uh-huh. And it's not $30. But then they try it and they love it. Uh, but again, that's why I burger was a little more expensive at the beginning than other burgers because, again, I didn't want to be burger giant. Mm-hmm. So I, I said, you know, salmon is going to be $24. I cannot have $9 burger on the menu. Yeah. So that's why we went up. If you want to eat burger in our restaurant, you're going to pay a couple dollars more because guy who grills our burgers and crocs, they can also sear, sear the scallops and uh, make a great steak or duck breast. So they're a little more skilled than just, you know, burger grill worker. Right. So, But I like that, that the burger, not only can it be a great food item into itself, and like you said, someone yeah. could come in and get a burger every yeah. week for yeah. years and be yeah. perfectly happy, or the burger can kind of be like the gateway drug into Dario's, where they come in and have a oh, burger, sure. and they're like, this is fantastic, I, I and they come in next week and say, 100%. I'll try the salmon. 100%. They, they might come uh, by themselves and try burger, and next time they're going to bring their you know family or friends or business partners and try something else. And again, what is good is good. Yeah. I'm not going to say, you know what, my uh, sweet this dish is better than burger. I'm not, no way. Uh-huh. You know, because I can eat that burger every day. I cannot eat duck breast every day. <laughs> and, uh, That's very true. And, you know, again, we need to run a business and we need to know what pay our bills too. Mm-hmm. We are in a neighborhood. I don't want to be just destination restaurant that would not survive. Mm-hmm. In 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 a neighborhood like Dundee, right. Now, in 2010, you were nominated for a James Beard Award, which is a very big honor, and especially I feel like at that time something that was not nope. happening in Omaha no. at all. What was that feeling like for you? And was there just like that? Was there a sense of accomplishment just that you'd overcome? You know, just all these people who, you know, like we mentioned, kind of butted heads with at the beginning, and now you'd proven you are a fantastic chef. Well, yes. You know, only thing was I didn't have idea what James Beard was <laughs> at the time. You know, when they called me, I remember I was at Lowe's. And I'm like, my wife, I don't know. They called me, nominated. Because my attention was no awards, no stars. I just want to enjoy what I do. And I knew what I was passionate about it. But also I needed that, that to be my 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 livelihood mm-hmm. because we have to make a living doing that but uh i think what what really was 10 years ago now when people come to omaha there was always good restaurants in omaha mostly downtown i guess mm-hmm. old market mm-hmm. and sometimes people venture to neighborhoods by you know, in their hotels, somebody tell them, oh, you should go to Dundee, it's a nice neighborhood. And then, you know, people expect local restaurants, and they come t- 10 years ago, they walk into Darius, they're like, what? <laughs> Why is this here? How is this here? Uh-huh. You know, we are selling 300 pounds of mussels a week in middle of Nebraska, middle of <laughs> Omaha. People are like, how? And they try our mussels, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is better than you know, on the coast uh-huh. we had. And then, you know, they obviously had our beer selection. They try our food. And and then I think local people and local, you know, just customers and neighborhood, they became really proud of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is our restaurant. This is our neighborhood. Oh, mm-hmm. my God, this is great. And for me, it was just like, oh, okay, I'm going to have to work harder now because we're going <laughs> yeah. to get busier uh-huh. at the same same year or same maybe even month or a couple months, we were awarded number one restaurant in Omaha by Omaha World Herald, uh-huh. with Darius. And uh, I was not prepared for any of that. So maybe I'm confident telling at that time, I removed six tables out of my dining room. Uh-huh. So I can I can deliver what I prom- control. Bit, yeah. Most uh, people would get maybe a little greedy, a little excited for amount of business they're doing. So they would add extra room, extra tables. I went totally opposite. You don't want to sacrifice the quality. I would rather serve 25 people less than uh, try to get everybody in and just screw up. Mm -hmm. And people are, oh, my God, this is not, you know, what we used to or what we expected. So that's what I did. I took six tables out, and I don't think we ever put them back. (laughs) so i was so protective over our product and consistency for me consistency was it still is probably most important thing because anybody can 
be hot for six months, but if you, my philosophy is I want to be warm for 20 years. Mm-hmm. I like that. So Dario's achieves a lot of success. It's still successful today. At what point did the idea for a second venture, which eventually becomes Avali, mm-hmm. when did that arise? So Dario's, yeah, seven years in business, I was cooking that every night and I didn't want to change concept or menu. And obviously, I, I, I was looking to do more. Every time I would make pasta special at Darius, we would sell instantly. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh-oh, you know, it's good <laughs> and bad. Yeah. But I didn't want to have a turn Darius also in a pasta menu. Then, you know, you become that restaurant which starts serving everything what people are expecting or liking or no. Darius is going to say exactly what it is. And uh, so I would go out and... Obviously, we lived in New York and had a great Italian uh, restaurants. So every time we craved, I'm not going to offend anybody, Italian food, we would just stay home mm-hmm. and make our own pasta, mm-hmm. you know, which is, you know, get good tomatoes and, you know, garlic and good olive oil and make our own pasta. And then I would start going out in a dining room and approaching our guests, Adarios, what's your favorite Italian restaurant? And very few people give me an answer. Really? Or they were almost embarrassed. Yeah. Because they like a chain or something? Yeah. I'm not oh, gonna, we don't have to name yeah, names. Yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to name names, which is fine. Uh-huh. Because Italian food changed past 30 years. It's fine to have all levels, but we didn't follow all those changes. We follow changes in sushi. We had 30 sushi joints mm-hmm. in Omaha. I don't know how many Japanese people live here, but there were like very few Italian restaurants really focusing, like focused Italian restaurants, not a, you know, red sauce, old school Italian restaurants, which are fine. You mm-hmm. know, nothing wrong with them. We need to have those restaurants, but also Italian food kind of evolved and changed like fashion does, like everything else. And uh, again, I, I kind of start researching like what people do for, not pizza, but specialty pasta and kind of more Northern Italian food mm-hmm. rather than just lasagna and meatballs and, you know, which is fine. So I started researching, and I didn't get really nowhere. Uh-huh. So I'm like, oh, Omaha was a little in trouble, I think, for how many other restaurants were opening. There were, you know, new American restaurants serving hamburger and meatloaf and this and that on a menu, but nobody was really focusing, uh, bringing, like, Italian food, like, culture back alive. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I did. I'm like, okay, we need to bend over again <laughs> and start it. And, and that idea kind of came around. We're going to open pasta-focused restaurant and northern Italian, everything north from Rome. And uh, I went to Italy, to Piedmonte region. I went contact my culinary school. I got lined up a whole bunch of... Uh, kitchen jobs in New York from uh, Michael White, Teresi, uh, uh, again, uh, John DeLucie, and I worked in uh, five different restaurants, which were kind of all different levels all the time, from Michelin star to moms and pops, and uh, opportunity came uh, where Chavados was to take that space over, and we jumped on it, and uh, again, we just stayed exactly what it is. Now, how important to you, I, I, I absolutely love what you just described, how important to you was it to to actually go to Italy and to work in other people's restaurants and kind of learn their style of cooking rather than just diving in and saying, there's a niche here that I want to fill. I'm going to make Northern Italian food and just trying to do it on the fly versus getting that real authentic experience. I think that's uh, that's uh, what separates different restaurants. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, why? Uh, yeah, well, well, it really was an option just like buy three cookbooks yeah. <laughs> and try a recipe at home and open a restaurant based on that. That's not an option. For me, was I'm not Italian, uh, was submerge myself in, in that, that type of food, that type of culture as much as, as I could, try to understand why pasta is a huge part of a diet, why Northern Italian makes more ragus, uses more butter than olive oil, and uh, uh, why wines are so big and rich and, and truffles and Nutella and hazelnuts, which mm-hmm. are kind of, basically, they're closer to my my culinary style, 
more rich, more comfort food. Uh, you know, they're, they're bordering with Germany, Northern Italy, with Switzerland, with France, with Austria, which is closer to me food-wise. And uh, for me, it was very important to do it right. We, you know, we got a burkle, free will slicer. Our prosciutto is sliced, you know, by hand. No electricity is used. Obviously, our pasta is made where it is. And also, I knew what I was getting into, that I'm going to get a lot complaints about what we do at Avoli. Portions are much smaller. Mm-hmm. Pasta is uh, much el dente, more el dente than what people used to. So I was prepared for that after Darius. And uh, again, we if, we if we were opening Avoli, it's going to be exactly focused and stayed that way. We're not going to change mm-hmm. anything. So. so you mentioned the wall that you, or excuse me, the way you kind of brought down those walls at Dario's mm-hmm. was to be out with the people mm-hmm. so they could see Dario. They, yes. Your name was up yeah. there. So how did you do that with Avoli? How did you get people to accept that this isn't what you understand as Italian food, but this is authentic Italian yeah, food? Yeah, I, I knew that's going to be, it still is bigger challenge because Italian food is, is big in this country. So Everybody has uh, their own way of and perception of, of what Italian food is. And, uh, you know, everybody's grandma makes lasagna or ravioli. And so that's why I'm like, I'm not going to even make ravioli for a while because everybody's going to compare it to what they know. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm like, let's pick the region which I'm passionate about was mostly Piedmont region and... Uh, and uh, northern Italy, which is really rich, your carbonaras, your, your, your white bolognese, uh, your cacio pepes, your, your steaks. So we really, really focus on those dishes, which you just don't get around town done right and mm-hmm. done in traditional way. And uh, some people going to like it, some people going to, you know, not so much. So. Mm-hmm. And I knew that. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew our pastas are probably third of the size what they used to in Italian restaurants, and the price is probably double. But uh, again, I was prepared for that too. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, we we are not trying to attract every single person who likes Italian food to eat at our restaurant. We want to attract this many people mm-hmm. who really appreciate and want to enjoy what we do. And again, you know, I think. Uh, Neighborhood and Omaha responded exactly way way it did. You know, we got recognitions. We got great people working there, and uh, we're gonna just continue to do exactly what 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 we were planning to do mm-hmm. because it's it's just good food. If your pasta is not done where you expect it, I had my theories. I always tell people if you if you eat overcooked pasta, you know that pasta is going to turn into sugar in your system and that's pure calories and you're going to be a big person. <laughs> and, uh, and in Italy, they eat pasta three times a day and they're all fit and skinny. Right. And our pasta is cooked just barely that you can digest it. So it passes through the digestive system before it turns into sugar. So people, oh, okay, I get this. I'll get uh-huh. that. You have to kind of, you know, right. make, make it up a little bit. Right. Stories that people kind of, okay, maybe there's a reason for certain things. Because yeah. eating overcooked pasta is eating like spoonfuls of sugar. Mm-hmm. So it's true. Uh, yeah. So people are like, okay, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I'll try it. Well, I, I love the way that this conversation is steered because one of the reasons I was so excited to have you on among all the others is I'm a pasta fiend. I love pasta. Mm-hmm. I will eat pasta just like by itself. It doesn't I need agree. sauce. It doesn't need anything. It is just delicious. And the beauty of it is it's just, it's so simple. So simple. For the most part, it's flour, it's eggs, it's water, it's maybe a little salt. Not even eggs. Not even eggs. Not even eggs. And yet it's so versatile and it's so delicious. What what is it, you know, you clearly share this love for pasta as well. What is it that draws you to pasta? Well, it's like open canvas. Right. You know, anything goes. But I think simplicity of it is is amazing, which makes it extremely challenging. Mm-hmm. So Italians say, you know, their their saying is less is more. Mm-hmm. In general, less food you put, less ingredients, less you mess with it, less you cook, is more and better. But that being said, it's extremely for me as a as a cook, it's it's extremely challenging because you're wo- working with such a delicate ingredient, easy to overcook, easy to 
over-season, easy to under-season, because there's only three ingredients in it. Mm -hmm. In most cases, there's a pasta, there's a sauce, and there's a cheese or something else. If you screw something else up, it can be masked by something else. There's nothing to hide behind. Yes. You know, when you make our carbonara, it has to be perfect every time because there's literally nothing to hide behind. Mm -hmm. There's uh, noodles, egg yolks, and cheese. That's it. So that's going to, and guanciale. That's going to make it best thing you ever put in your mouth or or like, oh my God, this is terrible. <laughs> like, it's like really thin line. Uh-huh. Yeah. You're walking a very, yeah. a very thin tightrope. Yeah. Very thin. And every single pasta we serve, since our sauces are built a la minute, it's new challenge. Like every little pan you put on a stove when, when pasta comes in, it's, you make it right then. We don't have sauces like pre-made and we just ladle them. Each one is made in a pan to order. So mm-hmm. that's why sometimes they fluctuate a little, but it is literally made to order. But that's great that's because great. that means you don't necessarily want the same dining experience every time. You want to have a variety. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, my my thing was our dishes are not hundred percent the same every single time, but they need to be perfect in our guidelines. Yes, yes, because they are made to order. They are cooked to order. I, I understand that it's gonna be a little more seasoning, less little less seasoning, but it has to be in our guidelines and has to be delicious. Mm-hmm. But not always hundred percent the same. Mm-hmm. And I think that that just kind of how you just described it that plays into this. Um, I found this article in Dine Magazine actually about pasta, in mm-hmm. which they talked to Jordan Reed, yeah, from from Avali, yeah. and he said it took him months to get a feel for the pasta. He also said that. You opened his eyes to new ways to think about pasta. Like, what are those ways? How do you open the eyes of your of your sous chefs and cooks? Well, you know, there's only one way. They have to. They, you have to feel something. You have to. You have to connect with that ingredient or that food, and which is really hard in a restaurant to do that because in order to do that, you have to slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. You have to step back. You know, you cannot just rush, rush. That's why I really find hard to making pasta, making desserts, or some so those particular items, because you cannot be doing anything else. Mm-hmm. And in a, in a restaurant, there's really no time when you're not doing 15 things at a time. So pasta is like, okay, we have to slow down. We, we use obviously only imported flour. We kind of think about it, why, where it come from, and why is better than any other flour, where it comes from. So you kind of dig little in the culture, little bit of history that's already humbling and then uh, how much care attention goes to that pasta like you know like with Jordan you know talking little time but then you start connecting with that Mm -hmm. like you you make something with with your hands with your fingers out of flour and water and then at the end of the day you have full dining room people are drinking wine and you serve that on a plate that very simple very humble ingredient transformed in uh, cooking it in the water and dressing it in a sauce and finishing it with a Parmesan cheese into something that people like, oh my God, they go home and talk about it. Uh-huh. And that's, you know, there's probably nothing better than that. It's so rewarding and so filling that, uh, you know, when people start getting that connection to it, that's, you know, that's when you're talking about, okay, I, I get it. Right. It's not just something you slam on a plate, open a can, I don't know and uh, heat it up and serve like you really invest your day in a dish. So we started in the morning and then at the end of the night, somebody's enjoying it. So, Wow, that's, that's beautiful. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. And, uh, you know, that's a challenging, extremely challenging to be able to do that day in and out for years because then, you know, as I said, restaurants are fun till you realize, oh my God, I'm going to be doing this Every single day, same thing over and over. Yeah. Most people think, okay, I'm going to do this for a while and it's going to run itself or somebody's going to come along. I won't be, you know, I don't have to do it anymore. That's kind of when things go downhill. Mm-hmm. If you not promise yourself, okay, this is what we're going to do and I'm going to be enjoying it every single day, every single Friday, Saturday, birthday, holiday, doing it. If you don't invest that, I mean... You know what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, something that has become just so apparent in talking with you today is that you are very, very passionate about every plate that comes out of your kitchen. Oh, you, yeah. every yeah. diner, you want their experience to be perfect. So, how hard is it for you 
to own two restaurants, even though they are in very close yeah, proximity, very close. you cannot literally be in both places at once. How hard is it for you to entrust one of those restaurants each night to someone else and say, I trust you to impart my quality and my standards into every one of these dishes and I think you can do it. I believe in you. Yeah, that's probably the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm -hmm. Step outside of Dario's kitchen. But uh, at one point, you have to trust people. Because uh, Dario's kitchen staff, one of the guys is uh, 15 years with us. Uh, our chef who is running it now, Josh, he's there uh, eight years. Mm -hmm. Our grill cook is also eight years. So they're obviously doing it better than I do by, by this point. Because <laughs> they are doing it every night. Even if I was there, they'll be doing cooking those dishes anyway. And then I realized at one point, because we are not changing too many things, we are changing dishes seasonally, we are changing side dishes, maybe fish, maybe protein here and there, but core and concept, we are not changing. And people who are working there, for, for now, they really get it, and they know how to do it. And uh, same at Avoli. Avoli is a little picky, as I said. Pasta is a lot more tricky, more delicate. I, I like to say like French cuisine and maybe Darius or not. It's dr technique driven. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of confine, braising, reducing, and Italian is very ingredients driven. Mm -hmm. So you don't have a lot room to play with. If you're braising and reducing something, you have time to adjust and, and maybe correct things. But what we do at Avoli with pasta, there's just no, no time. It's great or it's not or you have to do it again mm -hmm. so yeah it's for me I, I i was open for a new challenge and boy did i get it <laughs> like those two restaurants don't have anything in common that like, is literally that, that is what's so amazing usually when people open mm -hmm. a second mm -hmm. restaurant it's it's an offshoot or no. it's you know something that's somehow related and you've just got two completely different they concepts. are they are different more than I could even imagine, and I, I think we overdid it a little bit. <laughs> like, even from, uh, we don't use same POS system, we don't use same... Really? Uh, yeah, it's two, two different systems. We don't use same uh, security equipment. <laughs> everything everything about them is different, because I didn't want to open second restaurant. Uh -huh. I wanted, the second Darius, I wanted brand new project, and... Uh, I think I overdid it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have yeah. two fantastic places yes. now. You accomplished your goal. Maybe you made I it did. a little more difficult on yeah, yourself. I, we did, yeah. But we are managing it, and, and as I said, we, we want a challenge. That's we want. I didn't want it to get relaxed. Right. Okay, I'm going to just open Darius and make the same thing on this location, that location, maybe someday. But uh, right now, I, and then, I just wanted a new challenge mm -hmm. because I think we were ready. Once you start kind of relaxing and getting used to what do you do and food and stuff? Maybe not so good right now. Right. But then we got into this pandemic. Then we have to start everything different anyway. So, <laughs> so. we're not going to focus on that. No. We're going to stay positive no. today. Um, I've taken a lot of your time. That's fine. But I I have a couple more questions okay. before I get you out of here. And these are things that I like to ask to every guest that I have okay. on, just because I'm fascinated in them. I think it's good for people to learn. And the first one of those is. What is one thing about working in the restaurant industry that you wish more diners or people outside the industry understood? Well, I think, uh, especially since the way we work and run our restaurants, that, that people need to understand that that's, that's our livelihood. That's our, not just passion and work, it's, a, it's entire family's work. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, okay, it's Dario is out there, but my entire family, my wife, that's what we do, live and breathe every single day is these restaurants. And uh, people need to understand that uh, we perform alive every day. There, there are errors. There is room to make mistakes, mm -hmm. but there's really nothing we cannot fix. You know, people need to give chance, at least locally owned restaurants and, and restaurants, they know that there are people behind them. They need to give them chance if something is not right or perfect or maybe for whatever reason, give them chance to fix it. Yeah. You don't have to leave restaurant or leave the door unhappy. There's absolutely no reason. If something is 
not cooked properly, not seasoned, or somebody looked at you, that's so easy fixable. Mm -hmm. You know, we are not here to piss people off or rip people <laughs> off or make everybody angry. That's stupid. Uh -huh. We are here to make everybody's experience enjoyable and little thing can kind of trigger a little reaction in a customers, which really is not that huge deal. And it's most cases something we can fix, mm -hmm. you know, right on a spot and, th and turn things around and have a great night. There's no reason to, you know, if your reservation, your table's not available, same second you expected, you know, our goal is to serve you, to take your money eventually. It's not to, like, make you suffer. <laughs> when I, when yeah, I, you're not trying to deliver a bad experience. No, no. You know, when I have my doctor's appointment, they put say, oh, it's 2 o'clock, and they put me in that little room, you know, and I wait 45 minutes uh -huh. for my doctor to show up. I'm like, okay, this is not 2 o'clock appointment. It's 2.45, uh -huh. you know, and nobody gets mad. But if we seat you 10 minutes later, people are like, where's my table? Oh, I mean, I'm like, you know. It's Just okay. be understanding. It's yeah. okay. It's yeah. okay. We'll, you know, make you good food and you'll enjoy it. Uh -huh. So, yeah, just kind of give people a little more chance. Definitely. Because we, we are working hard to, to make sure you have good experience, not to have bad experience. I think that would be stupid. <laughs> it's not a very good yeah. business model. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Try and make your customers yeah. angry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then to get out of here on a positive note, I, okay. I'm sure we've touched on this several times throughout the episode, but okay. just to put a nice bow on it, what is your favorite part about being a part of the restaurant industry? Well, I don't know. There's, uh, uh, I don't know how to do anything else, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, no, there is, uh, you know, I am immigrant. I am, uh, I work my way up and to be part of community, part of neighborhood, part of the city, part of the movement, it's, it's, it's very exciting. Mm -hmm. It's very, very comforting. And, uh, to make people in that community proud of you. They want to show you off, you know, to their family when they visit town, to their business uh, associates from around country, around the world. You know, they bring them to our establishment because they trust us, because they like what we do. I think it's just amazing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, again, you know, we, we had a whole bunch of, publications and mentionings from uh, Wall Street Journal to Esquire magazine to Paul McCartney dining in our restaurant, but it still comes down to our community and what they really feel about our restaurant. That's what keeps me excited. Right. You know, all this one-time customers is great for publicity and for show, but uh, just uh, being part of a restaurant community in Omaha and uh, in Dundee, for me, that's all I need. That's beautiful. Yeah. Dario, I was excited to have you on the well, podcast before, and this conversation exceeded my expectations. I feel like I could talk your ear off all day and just listen to I you all know. day, but we need to give the studio to other people. Thank you well, so much, Dario, for again, coming on today. This thank was you a true very much. pleasure. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. Omaha, as always, thanks for eating with us. 